Hey, uh, Pastor Don was awesome last week, right? Man, I was, uh, Jan, uh, we, we were over in London and at the Alpha Experience, and I want to tell you something, we had such a great time. Uh, 95 leaders from all over the world, 15 from the US. We had pastors from the Ukraine, Switzerland, Sweden. We had Catholic priests from Italy and Spain. We had vicars and every denomination. And it was so beautiful because when we, we prayed together over Turkey and we worshiped together and the power of God just hit us. So priests on their knees weeping and we had a beautiful time, uh, beautiful time in London. But I, then I got to watch Pastor Don preach and I was like, man, I, I, I texted him, I said, you were just dropping nuggets. Like you should have just dropped the mic and walked off stage. I mean, it was so, so good. If you missed the message, hey, go onto our website and the archive. And he was talking about being rooted, being rooted uh, in mission. Hey, couples, I want to throw a challenge out to you today to go to the Art of Marriage Intensive. February, Friday, February the 24th and Saturday the 25th. Uh, I want every couple at Mountain Park to go through this. You don't have to have, well, my marriage is My marriage is good. Well, your marriage can be great. You know, marriage is great. It can be even greater. And so uh, this is, my wife and I have been through this twice, and it is so powerful. It gives you tools on how to have a Christ-centered marriage. And so I want to throw that out, get it on your calendar. And uh, if you can, sign up at our website. I'm telling you, it will change your life, and it will change your marriage. Uh, Well, today we've... um, we're in our rooted journal, and we're kind of going to flip to a new series. We, series one, we spoke about being rooted in Christ, about being rooted in community, about root, being rooted in truth, and then last week we spoke about being rooted in mission. Today, we're going to, the next three weeks, uh, we're going to talk about why me? Why me? We're going to talk about it. Why me? Why do we go through things in life? You know, I thought if I gave my life to Jesus that it would just be smooth sailing. You know, everybody playing harps. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya, just beautiful. But it seems like you give your life to Jesus. It's like, oh my gosh, you know. It's just like, you know, greater problems and, and life. And, and we're gonna talk about that today. Why me? And today's title is, Here's Why. Here's Why. Our key, key verse in this passage is John chapter 16. Verse 33, and you've heard me share this verse many times. And Jesus says this, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulations, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. This is Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, in this world, you're gonna go through storms. One of my friends says, you're either going into a storm, you are in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. And why? Because a couple of weeks ago, on the beautiful artwork I was doing on the blackboard, I said, we live in a fallen world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we're still in this world. And in this world, because of sin, there's evil and there are wicked people and there are people that do bad things and there are people that make us promises to us and then stab us in the back. And, and that's life. Things happen. And Jesus said this. He said, in life, you're going to have some trials. You're going to have some tribulation. You're going to have some disappointments. You're going to have moments where a curveball is thrown in. You're like, I didn't see that coming. You're going to get a bad report or some bad news. But Jesus said this, he says you can have peace and you can overcome. How? Through me. Jesus said, I have overcome. And if you're in me, if you're rooted, 
in Christ, if you're rooted in me, you too will overcome. I was thinking this week about characters in the Bible. <clears throat> characters in the Bible that could have said, why me, God? Why me? I'm out of here. Forget it. I'm bailing. What's the use, God? I don't want to go through this pain or I'm not good enough or I'm a failure. People in the Bible that could have said that. I thought, I thought first of Abram and Sarah in Genesis chapter 17. Abram and Sarah, God tells Abram that he's going to be the father of many nations. Guess, get, guess what? Abram and Sarah didn't have a child. And an angel shows up and they're late. They're late in age. They're seasoned in age, past childbearing. And, and an angel shows up and, and Sarah's listening and the angel says to Abram, hey, your wife, you and your wife, you're gonna have a child. And Sarah busts out laughing. She wasn't laughing out of joy. She was laughing sarcastically, going, are you kidding me? I'm past, it's too late. It's over, there's no way, I'm too old. And the angel hears her and says, why are you laughing? Well, you know what's amazing is she could have said, God, why me? It's no use. Pick another woman. But we know when she gave birth, that she's given birth to Isaac, she laughs again. But the Hebrew word for that laughter wasn't sarcasm. It was joy. It was praise. And then God says to Abraham, says one day, he says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, the promise, your, your, your son Isaac. I want you to take him. I want you to sacrifice him on an altar. God, why me? You gave me a promise. Now, what are you doing? You're taking the promise away from me? What are you doing, God? Why me? Why am I going through this? He takes Abram. Abram takes Isaac up and he puts him on the altar. He's obedient to God and he's trusting God in that moment. And as he brings the knife down, the angel stops him and there's a ram in the thicket. And God says, he says I've seen your heart. And, this, and God provides the ram and they sacrifice the ram there. Abram could have said, God, why me? I'm not doing it. Forget it. I think about Joseph in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph has a dream. God gives him a beautiful dream and, and then he tells his brothers the dream and they all get mad at him. What? We're going to bow down to you. And he, then he tells his dad, and his dad is angry and rebuking him. And, and, and Joseph could have said, why me? I mean, my family's not even supporting my dream and my purpose. And then what do his brothers do? They try to kill him. They try to kill him. And the youngest one says, no, no, let's sell him as a slave. And so they sell Joseph. And as, as that, 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 that group of, of merchants are going by, and there's, there, there is Joseph as a slave going, and his brothers are, are kind of, they're walking away. Joseph could have said, why me, God? You gave me this dream, and now I'm a slave? They try to kill me? And he ends up in Potiphar's house. And you know what? In that, in that moment in Potiphar's house, he serves with excellence and character and integrity, and everything that Joseph does, the Lord blesses, and Potiphar is blessed because of Joseph. But Potiphar's wife notices how good looking Joseph is and she tries to seduce Joseph and, and she says, Joseph, just sleep with me. Nobody will know. But Joseph is a man of character and integrity. And he says no and he refuses and she shouts, rape. He tried to rape me. And next minute, Joseph's in prison. I mean, think about this. Joseph could have said, why me, God? I mean, they try to kill me. I'm accused of rape. I'm an innocent man. I've done nothing and now I'm in the jail. Was God, what, what's going on here? And then he interprets the dream of a cupbearer and a, and a baker. And they say, we got your back, man. We'll remember you. We'll tell Pharaoh about you. Guess what? They forgot all about Joseph. Two years later, the cupbearer comes to Joseph. So many moments in the life of Joseph where he could have said, why me? You know, I think of Moses. Moses kills an Egyptian. And he was, he was, uh, was beating on an Israelite. He kills him. And the Egyptian says, who are you? Who do you think you are? 
You're a murderer. And he runs into the desert. He runs from his calling and his purpose. And in the desert, God calls him to a burning bush. And God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I am. And you're going to lead my people out of Egypt into a promised land. And Moses basically is, God, why me? I'm not good enough. In fact, if you read in Exodus 14, and Moses, Moses said, this, this, listen to Moses, said this to God, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I mean, that's pretty hardcore to tell God, uh, you got the wrong dude, get someone else. Why? Because in that moment of why me, I'm not good enough, God. I can't even speak. He could have just ran from his calling, but he chose to bow his heart to God. Daniel, what about Daniel? Daniel chapter six. I mean, Daniel was a man, a, you know, a Jewish Israelite that just was taken to a foreign country with delicacies and science and, 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 and all kind of different worship. And just, he, he, was, he was asked to do all these things. And he said, no, I'm not going to partake of any of this. Why? Because I will not defile myself to God. And in the midst of that, he could have cried, why me, God? Why, did you, why was I taken captive and brought to a foreign land? I'm just trying to serve you. Why am I in this land with all the sin and wickedness? And, and then Daniel, he, you know, he loved to pray to God. He'd pray three times a day. And, 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 and there was a law passed that you couldn't pray to God. But Daniel said, I don't care. I'm going to pray. And guess what? They find him and they arrest him and bring him to the king. And they throw him in a lion's den. He could have said, why me? I was just trying to pray. What's the big deal? And the king was, couldn't sleep the night. In the morning, he wakes up and he runs out. And he's like, he's like Daniel, Daniel, are you alive? And they, they pull the thing on the, Daniel's in the cave. And he's like, I'm fine. Me and Mufasa, we cool. We're cool. We're good. We're good. There were moments where Daniel could have said, well, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends, they, they're standing with all the, the, the people of Babylon, and there's this big idol, King Nebuchadnezzar has this big idol, and when the trumpets play, everybody needs to bow down and worship this idol. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the law. The law said, you shall not bow down to any idols. You shall only worship the Lord your God. So these young Jewish boys are standing there. The trumpet sounds, everybody's bowing down. They're standing the king's council says, come, bring these, these three guys, put them before the king. And the king says, guys, just bow. It's not a big deal. Just compromise a little bit. They could have in that moment said, why me? What's the big deal? Let me just compromise a little bit. God will forgive me. It'll be okay. It's just a little sin. But they would not defile themselves. The king says, come on, bow. The trumpets are gonna play again, bow. And they wouldn't do it. And the king said, I'm gonna throw you into the fiery furnace right now. And this is, I love these guys. You know what these young guys say? Listen, king, we believe if you throw us in the fire, God will save us. And if God doesn't save us, we still won't bow. We still won't bow. They weren't afraid. They weren't in the, why me? Why? No, they just, they chose to be obedient to God. I think of Esther, the, the woman, the Queen Esther in the Bible, who's in a position to, God puts her in a position to save her nation. Haman wanted the Jews wiped out. He wanted them killed. And Mordecai, Mordecai comes to Esther and, Esther and says, Esther, for such a time as this, God has positioned you to save our nation. And Esther says, I cannot just go before the king because anybody who just walks into the king's court unannounced with no appointment gets executed. I can't just walk in. She could have had a why me moment. You know why? She could have said, you know what, God? I can't go. You set this up. I can't just walk into the king's presence. You should have worked it out different for me. So I can't do it because it's not a great situation. But she chose to obey God and save the nation. She could have said, why me? And then I think about 
Job, a man who was righteous and blameless, who the devil comes and says, God, I bet you if you lift your hand off him, he will, he will denounce you. He won't serve you. God's like, okay. And the very first day, all the cattle and crops of Job, his wealth in one day was gone and all his kids were killed on the first day. Job could have stopped and said, why me? I mean, I've lived right. I've, I'm blameless before you, God, why? And that's the reality of life because there's gonna be moments where you're gonna find yourselves in situations and circumstances where you're literally gonna be like, God, I, I, I saw this different. Why me? Why am I going through this pain? Why am I going through this hurt? Why am I going through this relational conflict? Why, why did I lose my job? Why? It seems like we're going under God. Where are you? Why me? I thought that when I gave my life to you that everything would just flow and be peaceful and wonderful. Why me? You know, there's a great guy in the Bible that we're gonna look at today. It's John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist asked that same question. Why me? What's going on? I don't understand. In Matthew chapter 11, verse one, we read his story. And when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, said, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. But look at verse six. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He was literally saying, John, don't be offended right now. Because you're asking me, why me? Why am I in prison? Why me? The NRV says, blessed is the one who does not stumble because of me. This is interesting because if you study the history of Israel, you'll know this, that the Israelites were given all the prophecies of God, all the Old Testament. They had the scrolls and the prophecies and, and they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for this Messiah for centuries, they were waiting for this Messiah to come, and, but they had different views. Some Jews believed that the Messiah would be a militant revolutionist, that he would come and say, you know what, I'm gonna lead Israel out of Roman uh, authority and we can, we're gonna break the chains of Rome. We're gonna take on Caesar and we, we, we're gonna be our own nation. He was gonna be militant and a revolutionist. But then there were some that believed that this Jesus was a holy man, a righteous man that would bring justice and judgment. And John and his disciples believed in that. They believed that this Messiah, this Jesus was one that would bring justice and judgment. And so John, is, he's, he's in prison and he's saying, I, I, I hear and I see the, these miracles that you're doing, this healing, and I hear you saying that you're savior, but where's the justice? Where's the judgment? 
And why would he say that? Because in Isaiah 61, if you go read Isaiah 61, Isaiah prophesies about this king coming that would come and he would bring justice and judgment, but he would also, he would also bring sight to the blind and the lame would walk and it talks about the miracles and the grace and the good news of the gospel. You see, John, John wanted in his why me moment, he wanted to see justice and judgment. But all he saw was healings and miracles and good news. Jesus, why are you hanging out with sinners? Why are you at, at these parties where people are getting drunk? And, and why are you going out and touching the lepers? Why are you, well, I don't understand because they're unclean. Why are you hanging out with the Jews that are tax collectors that, that they, 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 they go against the Torah? They bend the rules of the Torah. I thought you came for justice and judgment, but you're hanging out with those that need to be judged. And you're telling them about love. And I want to for a moment say that, yes, there is a time where Jesus will bring justice and judgment. I don't want us to think like, well, that never happened. No, the Bible says when the trumpet sounds and he returns, he's not coming to bring a gospel of good news and stuff. He's coming to judge. He first came as Jesus said, I came to open the eyes of the blind. I came to set the captives free. I came to deliver those. That's what Jesus came. And John couldn't see that. He had the order wrong. He wanted judgment and he wanted justice. But Jesus said, no, I came first to heal the broken. I came for the sick. I came to pay the price for the sin of humanity. But judgment will come. But John is looking at it. Because you know what? John's in prison going, why me? Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus says this. John, John was, there's none like John, born of a woman who is so great. Even Jesus said, John the Baptist was the greatest ever born of a woman. Yes, John, in prison, God, I've tried to live right. I've, I've, I've done everything. I've, I've, man, I've freaking repentance. And I've made the way and preached about Jesus. I've done all this and here I am. I'm in the prison of a scoundrel leader. And so he sends his disciples out to say, Jesus, are you really the one? Or should we look for another? Why me? Why am I here in prison? Every 50 years, there was the year of Jubilee declared. The year of Jubilee in Israel meant this. All wrongs were made right. And all prisoners were set free. See, John the Baptist believed that this Messiah would bring justice and judgment. And that he would bring an era of Jubilee. That everybody that was right, that was wronged, would be right. All the prisoners would be set free. And John's in prison going... What are you doing? Why me? Will you come for me? And Jesus says, blessed are you, John, if you won't be offended or stumble because of me. You know, sometimes we're the same with Jesus. Well, Jesus, I thought that you would do this and this is happening in my life. You see, you know, the, for John, the why me moment was this, was this, my expectation of this Messiah, justice and judgment, does not align with my current experience or circumstance. 
See, for many of us, that's our walk with God. Well, God, I had this big expectation of you, but now I'm going with this. It doesn't connect. What's going on? And that's why so often, you know what we do is we have this expectation of Jesus and the first time a storm comes, you know what we do? We run. We run from God. We don't run to God. But you know what I like about John? Is when I look at John, who Jesus said was none greater born of a woman than John, that if John wrestled with doubt, I guess it's okay for you and me to wrestle a bit with doubt too. But you know what I love about John in the midst of that doubt moment, the why me moment? He added faith to his doubt and he sent his disciples to go to Jesus. What do you do in the moments of why me? What do you do in the moments where my expectation was this, my faith was this, my prayer was this, and you did totally the opposite, God? What do you do in those moments? Do you run from God or do you run to God? See, I'm learning more and more in my faith and my journey as I'm maturing in the Lord that it's not really about the destination, it's really about the journey. It's not really even about the process, it's really about trusting God in the process. Jesus said to John, don't be offended, don't stumble now, John. You, you've seen me heal. You've heard the testimonies of the dead being raised to life. Everything you saw in Isaiah, that prophecy, I have fulfilled, but judgment, justice, those two will come. So why me? Why me? Let's look at what, what Paul says in Romans chapter five, verse three to five. Not only that, but not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying there's gonna be times that you're gonna go through trials, and you know why when you go through trials? You can either run from them, you can run away from God, or you can stop and say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this season. God, I need to grow in endurance. There are too many Christians, the minute a storm comes, they bail on church, they bail on God, they run, they don't open their Bible anymore, they just, oh, whatever, you know, let me just sit in my lazy boy, eat a pizza, and watch a game. Is that really going to help you? He says, no, endurance, and what does endurance do? Produces character. What does character produce? Hope. You know what Paul said? We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, Jesus. See, when you go through trials and storms, it's an opportunity for you to grow in endurance so that, you know what, you're maturing in your faith. It's an opportunity to mature in character and it's an opportunity to mature in your foundation of hope who is Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul in Philippians chapter four, verse 11 and 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in, I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I, I love that, it's about Paul. Did you notice what he said? I have learned how to what? Be content 
In what? Every circumstance. I love Paul's vulnerabilities, he's writing. He's saying what? I have learned. What does that mean? I didn't always do it right. There were moments I didn't do it right. But I learned in those moments what? How to come to this place of contentment in what? Every circumstance. I have learned whether I have a lot or I have a little, I can be content and secure, rooted in Christ. And then he says this. He says, for, for I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty of ways. He says, now I'm going to tell you the secret of, of coming to this place, what I've learned of being content in every circumstance. What's the secret? Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's saying there were times in life where I could have said, why me? And there were times where I made it all about me. But then I learned that when I put Jesus at the center, I can do all things. I can be content. I can get through the storm. There's some of you today in this room, you're carrying hurt from your past. You're carrying pain from a broken relationship. You, you had this incredible dream and God's changed the roadmap for you. Here's the bottom line. Can you trust that God knows what's best for your life? And maybe he's got a better plan. You know, in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says, God's ways are higher than our ways. We see, we're trying to hold on so much to this thing and God's like, I've got better for you. If you'll just trust me and stop saying, why me? And God, why are you trying to take this out of my life? Why did I go through that lesson? No, no, no. I am learning to be what? Content in what? Every circumstance. Yes. I'm maturing. I'm growing. I'm being rooted in Christ. See, there's two things that we can do when circumstances or storms come. There's two things we can do. We can react. React is what? God, yeah, there you go again. Whatever. Oh, Christians? Yep, that's what they do. Yeah. Huh? Oh, I trusted them. Stabbed me in the back. Yep, yep. I'm done. I'm checking out. I'm done. I'm done with people. I'm done with God. I'm done with church. I'm done with planet Earth. Well, you can't go anywhere else. I'm just done, I'm done, I'm tapping out, it's enough. React and run from God or we can respond. I love the story in the Bible. The disciples are in a boat. These are fishermen. They're in this boat. These are guys that know the wind and the waves, they, they experienced fishermen. They're in a boat and a storm comes with winds and waves and, and these, these guys begin to go, we're gonna die. Now, if a professional fisherman tells you that you're gonna die in a boat, you know it's bad. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. You know it's bad. And they're looking at how bad it is and you know, Jesus, he's taking a nap on his my pillow. He's got his head down and he's just sleeping. Probably the best guy in turbulence to be with is Jesus. He just sleeps through turbulence. You know, he's just sleeping. And the disciples are like, we're gonna die. They're afraid, they're in fear, but they respond. What do they do? They respond to Jesus. They wake Jesus up. Jesus gets up, goes to the front of the boat. He commands the winds and the waves to cease. 
And there's peace. There's some of you today that you're saying, why me, why me? And you're trying to find excuses and you're trying to blame this one. It's because of them. It's because of that. Because you know what? Excuses will give you permission to act stupid. I'll say it again, yeah. She said, say it again. She said, say it again. Say it again. Permi- Excuses give you permission to act stupid. It's their fault that I'm looking at that. It's their fault and pain while I'm in the mess I'm in right now. That's reacting, that's fear. But when you respond, Jesus, can you take this mess? Turn it into a message of redemption, of grace, of peace. You gotta respond. There's some of you, you're new to faith right now. Maybe you gave your life to the Lord a couple of months ago or a year ago, you're new to faith. I'm gonna encourage you, the best thing you can do when you're in a storm and you feel like crying, why me? God, what? Just stop and say, Jesus, I need you. I, I need you right now. You're in the boat with me. You're, you're with me. Holy Spirit, at January 1st, I preached on the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, the one called to come alongside us, the presence of God in your life. Holy Spirit, you are with me. I'm not alone. It doesn't, I don't care how big the storm is. I am not alone. Speak to me, guide me, teach me. The, so that's the first thing, respond. The second thing, now I wanna talk to mature believers. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. It's more than just responding to Jesus. It's responding through Jesus. Because you know what Jesus did after he told the wind and the storms to be still? You know what he did? He turned to his disciples and he said one thing. Oh, you of little faith. And he went back to bed and put his head on his mouth pillow. Oh, you of little faith. What is he saying to them? You've been around me for how long? You've watched me speak to wind and waves. You've watched me cast out demons. You've watched me raise the dead. You had an opportunity to respond by what you've seen to your situation. Some of you, I wanna challenge some mature believers. It's time to get off the milk and get onto the meat of God's word and to say, you know what? It's not just, I, I respond to Jesus, but Jesus is in me and I have the Holy Spirit. And now when the circumstances come, I'm not gonna be, why me? No, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Bring it on, Donkey Kong, I'm ready. Because the word of God is living, sharper than a two-edged sword. I spoke about being rooted in truth a few weeks ago. It's time to now handle the word of God and speak to your situation. It's time to grow up. You know, sometimes mature believers come to me and I can always spot who they are. Sometimes, pastor, would you pray for me? Yeah, what verse are you standing on? Deer in the headlights moment. What do you mean, pastor? No, you're a mature believer. What scripture are you standing on for your storm? I don't have one. Well, go get one and come back to me. I don't do that. That's just rude. (laughs) There there are times I want to do that. Come on, man. Get get in the word of God. We have the life journal. Get in the word of God. What? Pastor just wants me to be in the journal so I can be. No, 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 no. I want you to begin to respond to your storms through Jesus because Jesus is the word of God. He's the authority. You've been tossed to and fro. Grow up. 
Respond. Put why me? Oh, me, me, me. No, 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 no. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I'm going through this pain. I don't know why this happened to me. I don't know why he did that, she did that. I don't know, but I do know this. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. And I can be content. And it's time to not just always run to Jesus. It's time to now love Jesus in my life. Time to grow up. I want to close with a great poem I read this week. I believe there's some of you today that need to make this poem the prayer of your heart this morning. It's by Ruth Hawkins, and she says this. It'll be on the screens. At first, O oh Lord, I asked you to take sides with me. Like David in the Psalms, I circled words like, he is for me. The Lord will go before me. Yet after all my pleading, I still lay drenched in darkness. Until in utter confusion, I cry. No, don't take sides, oh Lord. Just take over. And suddenly, it was morning. There's some of you today in this room, you're crying, why me? Why did that happen to me? Why did I go through that? It's so unfair, God. But we live in an unfair world, my friend. We live in a broken world. We live in a wicked world. We live in an evil world. We're in the world, not of it. God has prepared a place for those that have invited Jesus into their life. But while we live in this world, let's be content because we can do all things through Christ Jesus. And let's continue to say, God, would you take over? Because every time I take over, and I'm driving, I'm always getting lost. I'm taking wrong turns. Taking shortcuts that are costing me. God, would you take over? So every eye is closed and head is bowed. No one looking around in this moment. Just give this a moment. It's a holy moment right here. No one moving around. Maybe today it's time for you to say, Jesus, would you take over? I've created such a mess. I've got so much anger in my life and brokenness. I've taken so many punches of disappointment. I just feel like giving up on life itself. But I know in my heart there is more. I'm not asking you to get on my side. I'm asking you today to take over, take all the baggage, take all the shame, take all the guilt, take all the pain. His eyes are closed and heads about this morning. If you want to say to Jesus, take over, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to bring you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you, but I want to know who you are this morning. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. Say, why raise your hand? Thank you, my brother. Why raise your hand? Because you're raising your heart to God this morning. This is a special moment. So you raise your heart and open your heart. He's going to even touch you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. I see you in the back. You're beautiful. Thank you in the front. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. 
See, sometimes we, I see in the back, thank you. See up front, beautiful. Sometimes we try to, well, let me fix it all on myself. You know what? The more we try to fix it, the more we mess it up. Come take it, Lord. Come take it, Lord. I see you in the back. Thank you, my friend. Anybody else today? I don't want to miss. Thank you. I see you, man. Beautiful. Anybody else? I just need you today. I'm inviting you, God. Thank you, my brother. Beautiful. God's touching so many hearts. Thank you. I see you. Beautiful. 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 I'm just inviting you to take over my life because you know what's best. And I can do all things. Thank you, young lady. Beautiful. I can do all things through Christ. Let's pray this together. Everybody. Say, Lord Jesus. I thank you this day for loving me, for choosing me, for dying on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin, for my pain, for my brokenness. I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. Wash my life clean. Forgive me of my sins. I thank you today because I'm putting my faith in you. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. Today's a brand new day. So lead me, Jesus. I'm asking you today to take over. Thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Can we give those a raise their hands? Clap.